This is Witches, Bitches, and Dead People with Intuitive Oracle, Jamie Hearn. Jamie stirs the cauldron with witches, shamans, healers, psychics, and mediums who bravely share their power and give you insight into what conversations with dead people really look like. It's probably not what you think. Sometimes hilarious, sometimes macabre, and always informative. Hello, and welcome back to Witches, Bitches, and Dead People. I'm Jamie Hearn, and today I have the privilege of chatting with Jennifer Longmore. Jennifer is a forensic investigator turned international sole purpose and money mindset expert, and is a sought-after media personality, 10-time best-selling author, and creator of the number one spiritual development training school in the world. I will attest to that because I also teach that method and it is magic. (laughs) (laughs) For over 17 years, she has been helping people remember who they really are through over 30,000 life purpose sessions, including the who's who of actors, professional athletes, CEOs of leading companies, and other influential luminaries. When she is not running her soulful empire and playing adult monopoly with her various investments, you can find her exploring crystals and making essential oil blends with her son, enjoying out-of-the-box adventures with her husband, and breathing in fresh air with her fur baby on long hikes. To learn more about how to thrive on your purpose, you can visit Jennifer at www.souljourneys.ca. Welcome. It's so nice to connect with you. (laughs) Thank you. I was thinking that bio was going to take like 20 minutes to read. (laughs) It it was pretty expensive, (laughs) but there's so much that everyone really needs to know a little tidbit of the various facets of who you are. Yeah. Well, I, I think I... I don't know who wrote that bio. I legit don't. Someone on my team would have written it. But um, I think, yeah, it's important. You know, I I always thought I would have a job. I never expected to have a business. And then even to have a business that had, because for most of us, when we go to school, we're told, like, you pick a career path. You have to know it by the time you leave high school. Like, that's such an unreasonable request of anyone whose brain hasn't even fully formed, right? to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of their life, which is just a product of the matrix as we know, right? All of this conditioning and preparing us for a J-O-B and being a slave to the system. I'll just uh, dive right in and get political if you don't mind. (laughs) 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 Um, But here I am coming from a working class family, putting myself through school, working in public service jobs where I only had just enough to get by or not quite enough to get by to have a business. And then on top of that, to have multiple iterations in my business, I think it's important to show people that you don't have to lock yourself into any one thing. You can have a myriad of interests and you can thrive in that. And you're not a wackadoodle. If you have interest, you kind of find like for me, Akashic Records is kind of my legacy work, right? It's just this thing that even if I try to step away from it, it doesn't let me. (laughs) So that is my my calling for sure, in part for this lifetime. But it's also okay to like play in the sandbox and see what else. You know, I didn't even find out, by the way. I was getting all these weird nudges to get into real estate 
and um, learn about money and stuff. And it made no sense to me. I didn't really think I had an interest in that, but it, they were relentless nudges. They were not nudges from me and they just wouldn't go away. Well, I only found out in 2020 from an astrology reading that that is in my chart. Like I'm meant to be raising wealth consciousness as part of my path, that I'm meant to be working with realtors, that real estate is really strong in my chart in multiple areas of my chart, which I didn't realize. And, um, and so it's just funny how those things happen. But all of that to say, I do believe that we're here to create and we're allowed to create beyond what we're told we're here to create. Absolutely. And you setting the example and being the lighthouse gives everyone else permission to do that themselves. So that's why it is important to touch mm -hmm. on all those cool things you have going on. Mm -hmm. And I also... I also exactly. love the real estate piece because, you know, I, I, I love real estate too. <laughs> isn't that fun? And isn't that fun, by the way, to see how ridiculous, like my husband and I briefly lived in a townhouse when I first moved back here. So I moved back to the place that I grew up so that I could be with my life partner because of life circumstances, he needed to stay here. So of course I uh, had to work through some massive triggers because I never expected mm -hmm. to move back here. Like it's, it's a small town-ish. It's a little bigger now, of course, but I, I moved to the city and lived kind of this metropolitan life, I guess you could say, to a certain degree. So the thought of moving back here was just not, I just never even imagined it. So I had to work on my stuff. Anyways, we lived in a townhouse and these townhouses, like knowing the actual value of houses here and then what they're going for is crazy. These townhouses, when we right. moved here, just temporarily just to rent short-term rental until we found a home i think they were they were starting at like 550 or 600 these are like tiny townhouses like all attached it's basically like an apartment building tipped on its side one right. parking spot per home no street parking <laughs> three visitor spots <laughs> among a hundred units and wasteland right it was all construction because they were all new townhouses those same townhouses now, four years later, are going for $950,000 unfinished. It, it's outrageous. And it's fascinating to watch because why, why is the matrix allowing these products, because that's all they are, products, to be so mm -hmm. inflated? How does it, it's just another sneaky, stealthy way for them to extort money from the people knowing that when inflation goes up and when they decide to make the interest rates like 18% or whatever they did back in the eighties, right. Yeah. That all kinds of people will be homeless again because they've, they've totally, they're living beyond their means and they're living in a house that's valued at least double what the true, true market value should be for those places. Right. Anyway, it's just enough. I know this is a show about real estate, so I was hoping. Yeah. To talk about <laughs> Well, you know, For those of you that don't know, Jamie and I know each other really well. So we're just <laughs> chatting the way we normally would. <laughs> well, Spirit loves real estate, too. I mean, they love to hang out at that church I bought. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Well, I when I first started my business, I was teaching Reiki and doing Reiki sessions. And I had a realtor that lived across the road and I met her in my BNI group and she knew that I was very woo. And she actually hired me to start going on to all of her properties that weren't selling to clear the energy on the properties. Most of them were uh, possessed, 
but not all of them were. Some of them just had really shitty energy or the couples, yeah. you know, like it was a marital marital thing. And one of the couples, one of the partners, I should say, didn't want to separate. And so they were really, you know, clinging on to the energy of the home yeah. <clears throat> and the other person wanted to sell. But there were definitely some spirits in there. But yes, we, uh, you know, well, you, I know you've done a lot of this. It's interesting to go to people's homes to clear energy because there's a, a place that I went to again when I first started and uh these and it was freaky like the child like she was a teenager and she was seeing them in part because she was meant to because she was a medium so that's why she yeah. was able to see them and so i had a whole thing i needed to do with her and her family to help them stop making her wrong and to help her stop being afraid but they kept having visitations and i finally had to be honest with them i said look you're going to keep having visitors as long as you live here because this is a burial ground for about 200 people about 200 people died here in a mass fire and, um, mm. and so like, I can keep clearing people out of your home and you can keep paying me to drive all the way here to do that. Cause they had to pay for my time, obviously. Right. So they sure. to drive, <clears throat> but, um, and I'm not telling you to move, but what I am telling you is that you're probably going to want to learn these skills yourself because it is going to add up. And these, there's 200 souls that are going to be, you know, one at a time and until we send all of them to the light, if they even choose to go, as you know, sometimes they're like, no, I'll pass. I'm going to hang out here. And you're like, yeah. but really we need to. And they're like, no, I'm going to just stay here and be a menace and piss people off and, <laughs> and make them, you know, gaslight them and make them think they're going crazy in their own home and slam doors for no reason and all those kind of things. So yeah, I, I hadn't really made that connection. So thank you for that. They do really <laughs> like real estate. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, my own father, he is super attached to the house I live in. He built the house. So I understand that. And I had encouraged him not to come in. And my kid was like, come on, Poppy, come spend time and play with me. And now he's back. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. I guess they kind of have to meet us where they're going to get our attention, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I have so many stories to, to share when I used to live in an apartment building in a different city and I was right on the main floor, right beside the main office. And, and I was right in the fire route. So my patio mm -hmm. literally exited out onto the fire route. So all the fire and, and it was mostly seniors in my building. So the, the ambulance and fire were there all the time and would park right in front of my window. And I would see a body go into the ambulance and I knew it had passed just because of I could see the energy around it even though they were not they hadn't fully covered the body right but i knew that uh, the person was just deceased and then the essence of the body would come through my apartment and pass <laughs> by me and and leave through my door and go and join the body in the ambulance but sometimes they would list and one time I'll never forget this one time. Uh, well, actually it was the same guy and I, you know, you kind of brush it off for anyone that's had experiences with them being menacing, right? You kind of just brush it off or you think it's a one-time thing, or I just imagine that yeah. I was in the shower once at, at that same place and I got pushed over and they were trying to push me over in the shower. It happened about three times. So then I got pissed and then I was like, listen up, <laughs> here's yeah, how this no. is going to go down. Right. But like, that this guy is still not how me. we roll. <laughs> Yeah, this is if you want my attention, just say, excuse me, like you don't need to shove me over in the shower. Right. So one time I was on my couch and I was talking on the phone uh, to a client, actually, and 
And I didn't happen to notice where my cat was. It turns out my cat was right behind me on the couch, like, like sitting, you know, how they like to lie, you know, back mm -hmm. on the whatever, the back part of the couch. And all of a sudden I hear my cereal bowl, like a spoon clinking constantly in a cereal bowl in the kitchen on the counter. And I knew it was the cereal bowl. And we all know that sound, right? Of when a right. spoon hits the cereal bowl and it just kept clinking, clinking, clinking. And there was probably a little bit of milk. So I'm like, oh, my cat, that's, she knows better. She's not supposed to jump on the counter, but I guess she is. But then I saw my cat and then I went into the kitchen and nobody's in there. And the thing is still just going up and down. And I was like, all right, listen up now. And then I connected all the dots and I very nicely, but firmly, uh, escorted that, that spirit out and they didn't come back. Thank God. But, uh, it, it is, they will. Right. Cause that's where we spent a good chunk of time. I can't think of a time yeah. I've been at like a park and been visited. I probably, yeah, been visited mainly when I'm inside of, a, of some sort of building or, or home. Right. And it's, it, it's just a matter of creating a boundary with certain energies that show up. Like, this church that I bought, <clears throat> I have an agreement with the energies that are there that they don't bother guests because I don't want guests mm -hmm. leaving startled. If they want to come talk to me or any of my other medium friends when we're there, cool, come on in. Um, and they do. Mm -hmm. They're very mm -hmm. active when, when mm -hmm. we're there. But boundaries are so critical with, with spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I don't know. Like, I think some of them probably, because you and I talked about this uh, before when you were creating this show, but like some spirits really are assholes. Like they really absolutely <laughs> are rude. <laughs> they, they, are, they already had bad boundaries in life. Maybe they even have worse <laughs> boundaries because they, they have nothing to care about anymore. They don't care if people like them or, you know, it's, mm. it's interesting to see uh, when I was a kid, my grandparents lived across from a graveyard and it was mainly a young graveyard, meaning like tombstones mm. for two-year-olds and five-year-olds and so on. And at the time it was probably about a hundred years old. I've gone back to visit now that I've moved back here, I've gone back to visit that graveyard. And I used to feel like I needed to hop the fence and pay respect because it was like a really old abandoned graveyard. Nobody was looking after it. A lot of the tombstones yeah. had fallen into the ground. So I would pick weeds, but, you know, they were pretty flowers to me and I'd lay them on there and I would notice some really young tombstones, right? And it was very uh, jarring for me at three years old. Anyways, my, I didn't know this about my grandparents, but they already knew that the house had a lot of, a lot of visitation in it. Mm. And I uh, would go down in the basement and sometimes I was happy to go down in the basement. Other times I'd be sent down to the basement to play with my cousins and I didn't want to go down so um I would talk to people like I just thought they were visitors but they weren't yeah. fully formed but they were for formed enough that I would talk to these people just thinking oh I guess my grandparents had have company and they just decided not to let any of us know that a bunch of adults are going to be wandering around the basement right and um but one time the door flung open we were down in one of the rooms, the door flung open to the cellar, which where my grandma's store all of her jar, like her cans, I should say. And this mm -hmm. guy came out with a lumber jacket on and he was not a nice guy. I went and hid behind some furniture up against the wall and I got in trouble from my parents because they kept calling me and I wouldn't come because I didn't want to come out because I thought this guy was going to get me. 
fortunately, my mom, having a dad who's a psychic medium, recognized <laughs> that there was something more going on. Plus the fact that they were always talking to people too. And there was a room yeah. off the kitchen that was, it didn't matter. It, it could be like the hottest day you could ever imagine in your life. And the room beside the kitchen was always ice cold, always, right? So we had a lot of um, interesting experiences there, but yeah, it's um, back to the, some of them being assholes. It, it is because we think that, oh, well, they're out of the body and they've, they've lost their ego and they're just going to be floating around like little angels that just kind of need to be led back home. And then you meet some of them and you're like, dang, I did not expect this from you. <laughs> right. Um, so is your mom as connected as you and your grandfather are? I would say she is to a certain degree. Like my mom, uh, she had a job, but she is also an intuitive painter. So she's very intuitive mm -hmm. and she can sense energy and so on. Uh, but my grandfather, so my grandfather solved crimes with the police as a psychic medium. And he did that part-time because he worked in immigration. And uh, so, but he started helping them solve other cases and then they just started calling them in. And, and for anyone that does that work, like very rarely do the police let people know a psychic medium help them solve a case because they get the right. accolades if they solve the case. Plus they tend to look weird if they are consulting with a medium, but many of them do many, many, many uh, police at, at various levels of, of police departments do that around the world. And um, so he was solving crimes part-time and then fast forward to I had a case um, and I know you know this story so I was about 23 at the time and a woman named Jennifer was, went missing and her partner uh, was giving us all kinds of lame stories and we knew and to meet him he his eyes were completely black he was the epitome mm. of psychopath he literally had no affect in his eyes he had no color in his eyes his eyes were completely black and and no light in them, no emotion in them, no soul in them. He was, he, it, it was, he was a creepy mofo. And uh, anyways, so when I got assigned the case, he would never call me Jennifer. He would only call me Miss Longmore because he had murdered her, which we knew. But at the time she was just a missing person. And right from the get-go, I kept hearing, he has put her body through a wood chopper. And I'm like, put, a, put her body through a wood chopper like that. That's pretty extreme. And that's not something you hear about every day. So I called my grandfather and I said, look, I've got this case. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. I'm just gonna let you feel, I'm gonna send it to you telepathically right now. And I'm gonna let you feel into the energy. And then you can let me know where her body or like what you're getting. Uh, I didn't even tell him where I wanted to know where the body was. So he said, well, I'm getting these coordinates. And yes, she's dead. There is a body there. You will find a body at these coordinates. Hmm. So, I talked to one of my cop friends because I was working in forensics at the time, but I wasn't a, a detective. <clears throat> and uh, and I knew, you know, like I, I was jeopardizing my reputation, right? Because I had to look a certain way in that job. So I spoke yeah. to her privately and uh, she said, well, just call Crime Stoppers. So I call Crime Stoppers, right? To say, here's some information. And Crime Stoppers was great about it. They're like, we get calls like this all the time and most of them come true. And I'm like, yeah, I really hesitated calling you guys, but I can't live with this information and I can't bring it forward in my professional capacity. So my grandfather, so I was getting this thing about the wood chopper and that he had buried her skull in the forest in a different location and that his brother had helped. 
And uh, sure enough, that's what happened. It came out in court that that's what happened. And we set up a sting for him and we found, we led him to believe that we knew where the skull was so that we could catch him going to the actual location. He, he in real life, dug up her skull and we were able to pull him over with her skull in that, you know, on the motorcycles where they have that, that thing that you store stuff. Um, I'm very articulate today, so you're welcome. Anyway, so he got busted red-handed, which was, which was great and very satisfying. And, uh, and interesting to see all this come out in court. But anyways, back to my grandfather, turns out that that's obviously not where her body was, but another body was actually in that location. So we oh. actually solved two crimes. <laughs> well, thanks. How funny is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, and I don't know about you, but occasionally, like I'll hear about people on the news uh, people that go missing and, and we know some of it's psyop now we know some, some of it's right. designed for whatever reason, but for the ones that are actually true, I will um, have those people come and visit me sometimes and tell me where their body is and, uh, and various things like that. Right. Or, or that, or they'll just come and tell me that their body's never going to be found, but they're at peace and not to worry about them or to find a way to get a message to their son or, or things like that. Yeah. So it is interesting once you, and that's why I don't, fully fully open myself up to mediumship because as it is now they visit without me you know actively calling them in and as you know it can be super disruptive right to uh, absolutely to have them coming in at like two in the morning or I don't know they can find times where they don't like I, I'm available for it when when I can be useful, but I'm clear that I don't need to know stuff just for the sake of knowing it. Like, don't, don't bombard me with facts. The other thing about my grandfather, which he and I had a pretty big discussion a few years ago where he, um, the reason why he didn't do it full time is because he would be in the energy of the perpetrator. So he would hear their thought uh -huh. cloud. He wasn't acting like them, but he could hear their thought right. clouds he could feel their emotions as they were doing things. So <clears throat> a lot of times when these psychopaths are doing things, they're getting enjoyment out of it, right? So it's very mm -hmm. disturbing for someone that has empathy and a conscience to right. be very aware of what, how much joy someone is taking or, or just how much hatred they have for someone. Like to get to that level, to, to allow hatred to compound to that level to feel that that's your best way to get justice or whatever he would pick up on. Right. But he would be with that person the whole time they were committing the crime, like from the moment they premeditated or the mo that moment in their head, they said, I'm going to do this. So however long that was right until it was over. And even afterwards and the thoughts that were going through them simultaneously, he would be experiencing everything the victim was experiencing. So he was feeling oh, wow. the sensations vicariously. He could taste the blood. He could smell the blood. He could um, feel the, like, imagine none of us have ever, I guarantee you, none of us have ever been put in the position for adrenaline to run through our body the way it would when you're aware that you're dying, like you're, right. you're being murdered. There's literally nothing you can do. There, there's a, a thing. And he described it each time where it, it's, it's hard to even put words to it, what it would be like for a victim to be in the intensity and, and the magnitude of the intensity of that sensation, right? How taxing is that for, for him to experience yeah. from both perspectives? Yeah, all at once, right? And and being in it, having it be like 
like almost feeling like you're a split personality because he would experience both worlds simultaneously. So wow. the perpetrator would do something, the victim would respond, right? And there was this constant like ping pong going on that he could feel in his body. So I said to him, well, you are aware of energy. Why, why didn't you just set some boundaries and, and ask to be shown the information in a way that was easy on you without having to literally experience it all? And he, the way he looked at me was like, yeah, why didn't I, why didn't I think to do that? But, uh, cause I've had to do that too. You know, there was a time in life where I would go into the grocery store and I could hear people's thought clouds loud and day. And I could hear things like, I can't wait to go home and beat my wife or, you know, just really inappropriate thoughts about children or things people were going to go do, do their pet when they got home or like things that were very disturbing. And I would pick up on all of that. I was like an antenna for all of that at one point. And it's quite challenging to be out in the world when, when we have that yeah. thing, right? So I had to start setting in or like setting really clear boundaries with my guides to say, look, don't show me information I can't do anything about. Like, yes, that's disturbing, right. but unless you're going to also show me what I need to be doing about it, then please just don't show me that. Like it's, it's actually traumatizing me or I'd see car accidents. Yeah. And I'm like, where is this car accident happening? Or or a volcano erupting and that it was going to hurt a bunch of people. I'm like, where is this volcano? Why are you even showing me this, right? So as we know, when we're mediums, we're in that fourth dimension where we're we're connecting in with the underbelly of society. We're connecting in with archetypes, the shadow, the like all the various things. And there's right. the, the, I think the veil is actually thinnest in the fourth dimension. Yeah. Well, in, there have been moments when I feel like there's no veil at all anymore. And that may just be my experience, mm -hmm. but things are moving at such a, a quick exponential growth pace of growth that I feel like the veil's like whisked away sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty wild. I remember after my grandfather passed, my other grandfather, <clears throat> and he and I, he was um, on the death squad for the Canadian Air Force. So they, after they oh. um, liberated the concentration camps, he had to dig these Olympic-sized pools. And I'm not going to get too graphic, mm. but I've seen the pictures of it. And they had to find a way to create mass graves for tons of bodies of people that thought they were finally being granted a shower because they had not been showered for so long, right? And they had lice and they had, you know, all kinds of things going on in their body. And of course they were going for a shower, but not the kind of shower they thought they were going for. So mm -hmm. they arrived and there was a lot of cleanup for lack of a better way of putting it. And um, so he had all these pictures anyways. He was super traumatized after that. And he had massive PTSD. So, uh, and of course we didn't really, have a label for it right he eventually got right. pancreatic cancer and had most of his digestive tract removed and still lived for 19 years he was given five years wow. total to live and he would live for 19 years he's in all these medical textbooks as like basically a medical <laughs> miracle right and he was eating NutraSweet all the time he put it in his tea and his coffee and his <laughs> cereal and I think that's what did it I think he preserved his body right with all this formaldehyde <laughs> right. Anyways, uh, we weren't that close is my point. And, and he wasn't an easy guy to get close to. He wasn't a, a bad guy at all. He was just super quiet because I think he knows what you and I know now about the world, right? He would have learned yeah. that through seeing what happened in Germany and um, just, you know, 
similar things to what we're seeing now. And so I, I would think that it's pretty hard, knowing what we know now, it's hard to live in a world being too awake, basically, to what's going on and who really run, runs the world, right? And, uh, and I would imagine the same is true for him. I think that happened to a lot of soldiers and probably in a lot of wars where they get there and they're like, right. oh, what you told me about why this war is happening isn't really the reason why this war is happening. The war is happening yeah. and people are being murdered, of course. Uh, but but the reasons and the justifications they give about who the enemy is and setting up the enemy and the victim and all that kind of stuff is obviously, you know, inverted and distorted. Nonetheless, when he got cancer again, uh, we knew this time it was terminal. So I, I hung out with him for a whole day and just asked him a bunch of questions about like, what would you tell your grandkids, you know, about how to make the most of life and what do you, you know, what regrets do you have and just, you know, stuff, right. Getting to know him. And when he passed, uh, he came to visit me right away, but he had like a massive brown energy about him. It was oh. really interesting. It was, it wasn't a dark energy, but it was almost like something was being released from him. I don't know how else to explain it. It was like a chocolate brown. It wasn't dark, but it wasn't light. He wasn't light when he left his body and when he came to visit, mm -hmm. there was still a heaviness. And um, it, so I spent probably a good week. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask if you were critical in transmuting that with him. Yeah, I think so. I think that's why he came to see me. I was staying with my grandma and uh, she had said to me, which they had been together for 60 years. Right. And she said, it's like losing a limb. Like when you, when you spend 60 years with someone and all of a sudden they're gone, it's like a whole other, you, you just have no way to even articulate it. Right. And honestly, I don't even know how she really, she, she's still alive, by the way, she's still alive. <laughs> she's 97 <laughs> years old. Wow. Living on her own still getting her own groceries, still driving, still passing her driver's license. Because after you turn 80, right, they start testing you all the time. Her her dog that she that my uncle got her after my grandpa passed just passed away. So she's Aww. out survived that pet as well. Of course, out survived all of her friends and whatever, right? Like that's got to be weird, by the way, to wake up every day going, oh, like, I, I don't know. I think at that age, I'd be like, I'm still here. I'd wake up and be like, oh, fuck, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, at what uh, point is that enjoyable an enjoyable way to live right yeah my grandma's in her 90s and and she articulates things like that like she'll ask me what do you think I, I'm oh, still okay. here for like what's the point like that's not for me to say Graham you gotta you gotta figure that one out <laughs> it, it really honestly is like I, I'm glad that she's alive I'm not saying I don't want her to be here she's not living life right she's just waking up every day and having her three meals and probably watching coronation right. street and reading the paper and probably doing a crossword puzzle and maybe calling one of her kids and that's it like there's no real life going on if you know what i'm saying right. so um so i don't know either i don't know what it is but it is interesting so Anyways, uh, but yeah, he, he came to visit when I was at her place and I don't think she would have felt it. And I didn't tell her cause I don't think she would have understood. And I, I think her mm -hmm. grief was too strong. I think it would have been, it, my sense was it would have been confronting for her, but yeah, I have since consulted with him because of course, with everything going on in the world, I wanted to find out what the parallels were between 
you know, like what, what were you guys really told about why you were going to Germany and what was really happening on the ground when you got there? And for anyone listening, I'm not by any means suggesting the Holocaust didn't happen. Of course it happened. The question is more, how did it happen? Right. That's the question we've all been asking. How was yeah. this allowed to happen? But also how, like what, what, we know they control everything. So what information was left out? And it, and it seems from what he shared with me that a lot of what they were told, they all went to the war, by the way, already knowing it was a load of shit. They already knew they were being lied to. They already knew that, yes, Jews were being made to be dirty and infected and biohazards, and they had to be cleaned off the earth to purify you know, the human race and whatever other bullshit was being propagated at that time. But there were other just weird things happening, right? And other similar to now, right? Like you've got the Russia-Ukraine war, and it's not really about the war. It's it's facilitating a lot, a lot of bigger things other than making Russia the bad guy. Uh, it's not right. even about that, right? So it was it was interesting to talk to him, and I was relieved that he came through because I know sometimes you can call forward people, and they're they're not always going to come forward, right? It's not, obviously yeah. dependent upon their free will and whether it's, it's in everyone's highest good for them to come through. So I did appreciate that for sure. Well, and it's awesome that he is open to having that conversation with you still. Mm -hmm. So, well, mm -hmm. we could chat about this for like days. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> And it's been fascinating to learn more about your grandfathers. I didn't know some of that. So that was pretty interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us. Wow, you're welcome. So where can people connect with you to learn more about you? And what you offer? The best place. <clears throat> yeah, I would say the best place is souljourneys.ca. So that's .ca, not .com. Uh, and that's where you can find out all the things we've got going on. And Jamie, you'll attest to this, that I spend probably too much time on Facebook. And so that's another place <laughs> to connect. And not everyone likes Facebook, but let's be honest, right? Like they're all, all these platforms are owned, even the ones we don't think are owned. So right. it's, uh, I, I, in fact, the guides told me very clearly that light workers need to be on Facebook to help transmute the amount of black magic that comes through those mm. airwaves essentially right that we're in part being asked to stay there to be um creating a uh, i guess being a part of the law of polarity right and and um bringing the light where there's dark so to speak yeah and that that feels really resonant like it, there's truth mm -hmm. ringing in that so i'm on board with it mm -hmm. as much as it's a pain in the butt like i'm talking about you know what we know of it and some of the changes they've made, the people I made on there or met on there, I just absolutely adore the the way that the platform has helped me to connect with amazing people. So that's that's absolutely. why I stay, I stay for the people. I don't stay for the platform, obviously. Right, for sure. And the continuing connection that the I've not found another platform that offers the same opportunity to continue that growth of community. So I'll stay for a while too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome well, to my sermon. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for for 
sharing some of your experience and insight with spirit. It's been fascinating. Um, and I know I, I'll get to connect with you shortly. So I'll look forward to that. And thank you to all of our audience members. See you next week. Peace and badass magic. Have you been hiding your intuition, your spiritual gifts? Are you ready to open that door without being overwhelmed or labeled crazy? Do you feel like there has to be something more to life that you can't be the only one? The Mystics Academy is where you belong. Come home to a community of like-minded people who are learning to trust their intuition, connect to self, and access the power of their spirit. Learn more at themysticsacademy.com.